I'm Johnny Bartlett. We're the bundle bourgeoisie. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that part first. I should have omitted that. That's until, okay. Until we could say it after we had both introduced ourselves. I kind of jumped the gun there. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, technically, in our outline, we're supposed to be doing B-roll after the introduction, so we're fine. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> Let's just get into the games. Could you imagine? Here's our podcast, and now about five or ten minutes of us just talking bullshit before we even get into it. <laughs> Yeah, let's just let's just shit, let's just shoot the shit for a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> uh, specifically, we're gonna sh- shoot the shit about this week's games. The first one is Merchant of the Skies. The second one is Kraken Academy. The next one is Road Warden. Then we have Ozmandius. Then we have Tentam and Shotgun King, the final checkmate. We'll have the Outer World Spacer's Choice Edition. And last, but certainly not least, we have Yakuza 4 Remastered. Ooh, I'm excited to jump in. Uh, and jumping in, we will, with Merchant of the Skies, developed and published by Coldwind Games. Did I say Coldwind? I'm just, I'm just thinking, I'm nine heads in the sky. It's Cold Wild Games. Uh, they are currently in the development of a game called Stories from the Outbreak, which is a very similar game in terms of how it plays, but it's more about like the zombie apocalypse. Uh, another game called Lazy Galaxy, Luna's Fishing Garden, a couple other small, really cute-looking titles. Uh, this game is fourteen ninety-nine on its own, uh, and it is a chill management business game uh, about becoming a literal merchant of the skies. You know, before before you go on, we we had yeah. a discussion last recording about a thing we were going to do that I didn't remind you about, but I what? proceeded to do in all of mine. Oh shit! Really? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, where <laughs> we were gonna do? just mention the overall user review. Oh, I should have done that. Uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you what: uh, this one is very positive. I remember it. Uh, it's not overwhelmingly positive because it doesn't have actually that many reviews. It seems like a lot of people haven't really given this one a chance, and I think that's a damn shame uh, because this game is really cool. Uh, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a game about hopping from. Uh, island to island, buying and selling while exploring the lands, looking for resources and upgrading your ship, uh, eventually purchasing islands even to like create your own supply chains. Uh, it's really, really fun. Uh, you slowly just accumulate wealth and improve the land uh, as you go, and you can do these like trade guild quests, uh, like letter deliveries and resource deliveries to uh, encourage exploration. They'll like tell you to go to a different part in the map, which is just like a 2D map that you explore. Uh, just by like flying around and different ships have different speeds Uh, you can eventually like upgrade and get like a larger crew with more storage and different look Uh, different ships also can only be obtained from certain ports you kind of have to go there uh, to those ports to get those uh, upgrades and also you can do like special quests and deliveries for them to like lower the price of uh, certain upgrades Uh, like if you do like wood deliveries for like a, a wood shipment place then that'll lower the price uh 
and you can also like lower the price of taxes by doing these guild quests, which gives you, gets you these little tickets that you exchange at whatever cities that you tend to frequent the most uh, to lower the taxes so you can make a little bit more uh, bang for your buck. Uh, as you go, oh, yeah. you do... Yeah. Uh, as you go, you do hire a bunch more people, and those people you can either have just working on your ship, uh, but for the most part, you're also going to be having these people dispatched to islands and then working for you. Uh, so they develop factories and workshops, so they uh, essentially create, like, entire little, like, sectors of industry on these islands that you purchase in, like, the middle of a, uh, the map. Because basically how it works is you travel from, like, city to city, and cities have different resources, like, uh, you know, some cities have recharge ports and some don't, and you kind of have to recharge wherever you're going whenever you get low on uh, uh, energy. And there's also, like, houses where you can, like, recruit people and bazaars and other things. But then there's also, like, these little islands of resource gathering where the first time you go there, you get to scout a little bit of resources. But then every time you go back there, in order to get more resources, you have to have, like, a certain upgrade in your ship. You can only have a certain amount of upgrades based on how big your ship is. Uh, so as so you start out only being able to uh, access, like, a couple of different things, like, maybe you only have, like, uh, a axe to chop wood down. And you then, like, sell that wood to a place that, like, wants to buy the wood. And then you buy other things from there and that, that, that are cheap. And then you go and sell those at a place where they're a bit more expensive. Uh, and it's completely sandboxed in that way where you, there's no, like, specific way that you're supposed to go or the way that the game is supposed to go. But there is still, like, a set beginning, middle, and end to the game. And I'm definitely kind of getting closer to the end game, but there's still... Uh, a whole bunch of new things I'm I'm discovering and, and finding out. Uh, Hell yeah, yeah. At at this stage of the game, I'm starting to like develop like full on like vertical monopolies where I'm like owning the means of harvesting all of these raw <laughs> resources as well as all of the factories to turn them into goods. And like, uh, then I'm also like you know having that near a place where I can sell it at a really high rate. Uh, you you can eventually like, you know, take apples and then like uh sand and bricks and stone and through a bunch of different processes turn that into like bottles and then uh, an alchemist turns that into like juice that you put into the bottle that you sell for a high price okay uh, yeah and, and so there's the a quest in the game too where like in order to restore all the inns around town uh you have to like give them all shipments of like apple juice and uh bread so you have to essentially like get all of the bread like and then mill it and then turn it into bread and then send it to them in order to complete the quest huh uh, it's really interesting and i it, it's such a fun little challenge because there's no like combat or anything that you have to worry about it's super chill very relaxed uh the only thing that you really have to worry about is running out of money and going bankrupt uh that's like the only potential way to to kind of get a game over uh the only the first time that you go bankrupt though uh the bank literally just bails you out and you just have to repay a debt after a certain amount of time i, I don't even know if it's like <laughs> i don't even know if it's timed i think that you just have to pay it off and it just gets a little bit larger the longer that you wait to pay it off uh, just, but i just paid that accumulate off. interest slowly yeah i paid that off like pretty quickly it wasn't too bad uh, and then after that you can also like deposit money at the bank and like have that slowly accumulate interest hell yeah uh, and so when you do that and you go bankrupt again which i did <laughs> uh <laughs> It then takes the money from your uh, investment instead of giving you the game over. Uh, yeah. And if, if you had done the bankruptcy twice without any investment, you would have just game over. Okay. 
yes it's like <laughs> that's the only real way to game over otherwise it's just super chill relaxing flying from place to place exploring when you can uh and the way that the the game works with the refueling uh is pretty smart i think in that you can only travel a certain distance before you need to refuel and that makes exploration naturally really hard because it's always a little bit risky whenever you go into an uncharted area uh that you yeah. don't know for sure whether or not there's going to be like a refill point quests can kind of give you a little bit more uh ease of conscience in that you'll know that there is a destination that you're going to that like will potentially have a port although they don't always have ports i've gotten like to the <laughs> there's this one quest that you get early on just to like take this artist to a bunch of different statues and uh it was just really difficult because it's like all the different corners of the map uh and there are some corners of the map with basically no recharge points at all uh and in order to get through those areas you have to either have a ship that has like a lot of space for recharging or you have to uh <laughs> just go really quickly and then uh get towed back for like a charge <laughs> to like the the closest spot which is usually really really far away <laughs> man honestly this game sounds a lot of like what i wanted sea of thieves to be it kind of is and it's like the best steam deck game it plays really well on steam deck uh it just took, takes a little bit of getting used to the controls because i was used to playing it on uh mouse and keyboard which for the most part you really only need like the mouse uh it's yeah it's very easy just to use the mouse only uh but when you play it on steam deck it's just like full controller support uh works really really well and I just got sucked into it. It's it's so easy just to like lose a couple hours for this game. Just like buying and selling, like, oh like I just got a bunch of resources here, now I wanna go trade it there and then I'll quit. Oh, but now I got this quest and now I wanna go do that. And then I wanna go visit like the magical singing carrot so I can go sing him a song <laughs> before I stop playing and oh wait, I got this chicken now that is laying me golden eggs. And now I gotta go visit my golden egg chicken and make sure that he has the wheat so that he can keep laying more golden eggs for me. <laughs> you know it's just it's so cute and it's so lovely and those little magical elements that, that kind of appear really do help to uh add a, a bit of levity and, and brightness to the game and uh, makes it more memorable uh, i love like that. like there are these statues that you find that i mentioned uh if you challenge them then this octopus dude like floats down from the sky and is like i challenge you to a rap battle and <laughs> Uh, you basically have to do this little like memorization. I don't know if it's like, more, more like a guessing game, uh, sort of like the the Fallout hacking mini game where you have like yeah. three musical notes and you have to figure out uh, where the the three musical notes go in a sequence. Uh, and it's you just have to like figure out by guessing. Or I think there was like a there was some game show that I forget the name of that did the same thing as like a concept for the show. But I hmm. believe you got it. All righty, each winner gets a couple lingo balls. The show I was thinking of here is called Lingo. You might have recognized that chime a moment ago from the show, but the other thing that you may also recognize this type of gameplay from is from the recent hit craze of Wordle. Anyway, it was a very neat little mini game, and there's a lot of neat little things like that throughout the game. Like, a, there's this uh, botany mini game that is like a very late game mission. It's like one of the last achievements in the game that you get before 100%ing it that I haven't started yet. Uh, I imagine that you probably there's like these like wa water things that you can gather and maybe you have to like bring it there with some seeds in order to like finish the game I th that's, that's what it sounds like the end game is going to be like okay yeah uh but it is just a, a lovely game and uh if i had any nitpicks about it 
uh, I would say that uh, hiring a crew has this kind of awful thing, like when you're playing with a controller. Uh, if you hire one person, it's like one tick on the bottom of the menu, so you have to click down and then press one to hire, and then it immediately defaults back to the top, which is hire everyone. And if you have one of the really large boat sizes that has like it only needs like five people to operate, but you can have forty people on board. Oh shit! So, so often I would hire a single person and then want to hire another person in addition to that single person, and I would click again, <laughs> and then I would hire everyone, and then you'd go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, I I that's where I went bankrupt almost. <laughs> where I was like, oh shit, I have to pay all these people's wages now, like and they're not doing anything. <laughs> Uh, also, just a very small thing, but, like, your character has no personality, and they always react to everything by just going, awesome! That's it. You just click a little button that says, What a awesome. people pleaser. Yeah, you like, like, they'll be like, there's a bunch of people stranded on this island, and they need rescuing. Awesome! Awesome! <laughs> Doesn't make sense in the context. I'm the person for that job! Awesome! Awesome! <laughs> It's almost kind of charming in a way of how like low effort it is. You know, and for a game about capitalism and like finances and shit and like it feels appropriate. Yeah. There's no gravity to anything. It's just like awesome. I have a crew. Yeah. And while I really do like uh the the fuel system and how it kind of incentivizes you to uh develop trade routes, like I found this town that had like dyes at a really low cost near a bunch of my factories. Uh, so I would like make the rounds at my factories and then stop there to buy dyes at a really cheap price and then drop them off at like this place that I was like trying to get a ship from. Uh, and like I just kind of kept going around and getting a bunch of money that way. Uh, awesome. It was awesome. Awesome. But I wish that uh, you could refuel without having to enter town because when I'm when I'm just going and doing my trade routes and just kind of grinding a little bit, uh, it's just kind of tedious to have to enter town, go to the thing, and then recharge and then leave town and then move on. Yeah. I wish that I could recharge from the main map. If I could do that, it would make the game so much better just from a quality of life perspective. Uh, I, I think that that would be like an immediate improvement. Uh, but mm -hmm. either way, this was a major saver for me. And if you have any interest in uh, kind of trading games where you play as like an item shop or a trader or like economy simulator games, I really, really recommend it. I had a fantastic time with it, and I'm definitely planning to finish it and get the 100% on this one. You know, speaking of 100%, I uh, don't often get 100% on games, but I got one on my first game here we're going to talk about this month, uh, and that's Kraken Academy. Ooh. which was done by Happy Broccoli Games, which is their only game, and published by Fellow Traveler, who I feel like there's some publishers that like we talk about in every single episode because they do 90% of the shit in this fucking bundle. <laughs> but they did Paradise <laughs> yeah. Killer and Times and Galaxy and In Other Waters and Invisible Hand and Genesis Noir and a whole bunch of other games you've probably seen in the bundle too. This game is $17.99 outside the bundle and is mostly positive reviewed, which makes sense. It's a it's a very charming little game. It's like a you know 2.5D sort of like uh quick time event based walking sim almost is how I described it because there's not a lot of depth to this gameplay. It's mostly like walk over here, do some dialogue and click on an object. It's like a point and click game pretty much, but with quick time events thrown in. It's 
it's real basic gameplay and there's like you can run around and bust open some like trash cans to get bottles which are the in-game currency which really aren't used for anything other than buying like the keys to unlock the next area for the most part it has some like metroidvania like elements where it's like oh there's this wall that i can't get into but later on i got a skeleton costume and i can punch through the wall now and like there's a little item in there none of it's like super relevant to to the story or progression the real progression is just getting the like access points to the different areas of the school it's you know it's it's that that's pretty much it there's there is like the central mechanic and focus of the game is that you are rewinding time so you can go back three days before the destruction of the of the world i mean not the world but the school uh, and restart everything and you keep all your items so you can do the next little area that you didn't do the last day and, and rescue the little spirits from there but that's kind of the core loop is that it's like do a zone reset do a zone reset and like all the characters forget your interactions but you keep your items so it's that standard time travel sort of majora's mask thing mm, i like time travel mechanics you know I like them too. This game didn't really use them much. They could have just made the game 12 <laughs> days long. Like <laughs> <laughs> they didn't need that much. Yeah, it's not it's not a mechanic that's like utilized outside of the thematic the like the theme of the mechanic. Uh the storyline is it's simple and charming. You're you're the newest member of the Kraken Academy and you're here to study. Uh you are in the art class? No, music. You're in the music school. And your sister is like the hotshot in the drama club. And you get there and you gotta you, you find out that there's a costume party. So you go to go find your costume and the Kraken's like, hey, the school's gonna fucking blow up. You're my servant now. <laughs> and then you, you serve the Kraken and save the school. And that's pretty much it. It honestly, like, it's a cute little story that feels like an anime. Like, and given the trailers, it doesn't surprise me. Mm. Because it's very anime heavy in the in the trailers. You go through the four branches of the school, the arts, the music, the drama, and the sports. And in each little zone, you have, like, a big bad event that you're trying to, like, stop or change or, like, say. Because each of the each of the zones has a spirit associated with it. And that spirit is tied to one of the members of the zone. And so you have to, like, solve their problems to, to re resolve the issue of that zone and set the spirit free. It's It's cute. It's simple though. It's it's real short. I got through the whole thing 100% completion in about 4 hours. So there's not a lot oh, to this wow. game at all. Yeah. It's it's a it's a quick little one. You know, you're playing through 3 days and the days take maybe 20 minutes of gameplay day like time. So, hmm. yeah, you can just yeet through it pretty quick, honestly. And it's it's not complex or hard gameplay. The hardest stuff is there's like a couple puzzles you have to solve and they're not really that difficult of puzzles. So, it, it, thematically, it's it talks about some cute stuff about, like, friendship. There's some, like, you have a sibling rivalry going on. And it's, like, balancing the re relationship of, like, my cool older sister who's kind of a dick to me. But also, like, I'm the nerdy person who mom, like, doesn't really care about. Like, I'm the, I'm the fuck up of the family, sort of. But not really. It, it, it plays on the themes in a very, like, childlike and safe to approach manner it's not like your fucking parents hate you but it's like okay this character's clearly dealing with some shit 
there's some stuff about like environmentalism and like there's you know the whole currency is about like cleaning up the bottles that are destroying the nastiness of this that are like all littered over the school and how the school used to be a shithole and then they implemented this like bottles for currency program and it improved it a little bit and uh, okay yeah so it's kind of cute and and there's some like charming little themes there and it's kind of just like a good reminder that like shitty people are often created as a product of their environment and the way they're treated and if the world's a shithole and you treat people like shit, then people are going to end up shitty. And sometimes you just have to, like, listen to people and care about them to make them feel cared about and not be dicks. <laughs> that's a nice message. <laughs> I think that's pretty true to life. Yeah, it's a very wholesome game, and it's a quick little one. I I, I have a few nitpicks, but it's hard to nitpick a four-hour game. I mean, it's not hard for yeah. me to nitpick a four-hour game, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> you can find nitpicks about anything, boy. Yeah. I'll, I'll tear it apart. <laughs> but it's four hours, so, they're, like, none of the problems of it fucking make a difference. Like, the you know, the gameplay was a bit bland. It doesn't do ton for the game. Uh, I put here that, like, honestly, I wonder, with the production value of the trailer, because it's fantastic... I don't know why they didn't just make this game like a visual novel or even just like pitch it to be an anime because they clearly had assets at the ready to do like really cool animations and stuff for the trailer. But then just like it's a very run of the mill RPG maker walk around and click on things game. So I mean, the RPG esque approach kind of made it a little more approachable for me. And I think I enjoyed it more having immediate control of my character than I would have as a visual novel. But that's just me personally. I think it wasn't necessarily the medium to deliver the story in, but that's is a dumb nitpick. It doesn't fucking matter. The game's four hours. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've heard that sort of thing before. Like, uh, Made in Abyss, I remember, was a was meant to be a video game and then they ended up turning it into an anime instead and you can really feel the structure of that uh as you're watching the anime like it almost feels like you're going through levels and there's like a boss at the end Uh, (laughs) it it almost feels like this game would have benefited as more like a a visual piece than an interactive Mm -hmm. piece uh just because like it is wholesome but like there's not there's no depth in the gameplay and that's and even, like, the unique premise and the mechanic that was the central focus of the time travel, it wasn't used or utilized in any real way. Like, if, and there was some, like, awkwardness about it, it wasn't significant, but, like, if you started a quest and got halfway through it, when you restart the time loop, you start with the items you had and at that point in the quest that you could continue, but you also don't start with the quest progress. So if you want to complete a quest, you have to start all the way back from the beginning of it even though the game lets you keep the items and the sort of, like, known state that you can continue from there. So it's really weird that you can just kind of, like, lock yourself out of a quest in the middle of it and have to restart the day to get back to it, because, like, Mm. I picked up in the middle of the quest and gave an item to someone, and now I can't get that item back in this loop, so I've got to restart to start the quest over to get the item again to give it to the person. So, like, everything has to be completed in a single loop. There is no carrying things over other than the main storyline, basically. So. <laughs> it's try- is it trying to be, like, Deathloop, then? You got <laughs> one night. Do-, do everything. I mean, it honestly feels like they really wanted to do Majora's Mask with it. Is what it- Like, even some of the sound effects sound like they're, like, the fucking rooster crow in the morning every time you reset. Like, just mm. dead on sounds exactly like Majora's Mask. Like. 
it's it it feels like it really wanted to play with that element but just didn't have the tools to expand it in a meaningful way and so they were just kind of like the people forget you and you have to restart there but you get to keep everything because we don't really know how to implement it in a way that you lose the non-meaningful things every time that one seems really cute at the very least it is it's absolutely cute i i enjoyed it uh, for me it was absolutely a, a saver i like i put i mean for four hours it's hard to feel like this was labor it was cute it was charming it was a nice way to spend an afternoon like there wasn't a ton of depth but it was as much fun as spending the night watching like a movie or a couple episodes of an anime right like that's what yeah. it felt like it just felt like wholesome entertainment and i really enjoyed that yeah not not quite like uh like reading a giant long book or anything like that right yeah, exactly. So it would definitely not be like our next game, Road Warden. Uh, this is a very text-heavy game here, folks. Uh, it is by Moral Anxiety Studio, who are actually in development of a a game called Windy Meadow, A Road Warden Tale, which is like a semi-sequel visual novel-style game that is set in the world of Road Warden, but has like a much different tone and voice and look to it. It's very colorful. It looks very interesting. Uh, Road Warden, this game that we're talking about here, uh, published by Assemble Entertainment, who've done a bunch of little things that we've also seen in the bundle before, like Swine, uh, Endzone, A World Report, uh, Lacuna, uh, Adom, Leisure Suit, Larry, Wet Dreams, Never Die, Happy ending edition and many more uh, <laughs> it's like a, a text-based rpg visual novel uh it feels very much like a choose your own adventure book brought to life uh and it has this uh kind of monochrome look to it that's very brown uh, but it feels brought to life through uh the text and the descriptions uh it is 10.99 yeah. uh, to buy it on its own by the way uh you play as this road warden in this grim fantasy world, uh, sort of a highwayman turned protector, where uh, this world is almost as if you took a more traditional D&D style world, inserted the zombie apocalypse, and then hit advance 300 years. So you have this world that is living with the constant threat of the undead, but it's also grown more into a background element of this wider world with this a uh, varied people group with lots of different religions and beliefs and different monsters and creeds. Everyone uh, calls their body their shell as well. There's a lot of unique terminology because of the sort of world that this exists in, uh, where people consider their bodies more as like a, a shell or a vessel for the soul rather than like, uh, I, I don't know, because just the shells tend to keep wandering after you're dead, right? Uh so the soul must be something that leaves you and then the shell continues. Hmm. Uh, yeah. It, there's this in-game glossary and dictionary that you can use to go over all the different like creatures and the unique setting-based vocabulary, which is really helpful because this, this game throws you kind of right into the thick of it. You just start out wandering into a little settlement. Uh, you could choose just to like not even go into the settlement and just leave if you want. Uh <laughs> Like, you don't have to interact with a lot of things if you don't want to. Uh, but I, you know, I chose to go in and investigate, and you find out that it's, like, this uh, outpost that, uh, you know, there's only two people left in, and it's, like, really downtrodden, and, like, you end up doing watch for them over the night. Uh, you can. You can choose to. You can also choose to refuse to do that for them. <laughs> uh, this is a game about choice, inherently, and it almost feels like, 
like a D and D adventure sort of brought to life through text and uh, and code. Uh, your job is to travel between these disconnected settlements, uh, delivering messages, guarding people, uh, supporting merchants, and burning corpses as well, ridding the world of beasts, bandits, and other highwaymen. So you travel on your horse, just you know, one day at a time, trying to make the world a slightly better place. Uh, you have to balance your you know sort of factors of your health and stats. The most similar comparison I can think of to a game that I've covered before in the podcast uh is the werewolf game uh that, that that i played a while ago it's called werewolf the apoc werewolf colon the apocalypse dash heart of the forest oh yeah i remember talking about that one previously yeah yeah it almost takes like the tabletop uh role-playing system and then adapts it to a video game uh in like a small little campaign and that's sort of similar here in that you have like a health and uh an armor stat and a nourishment stat and a like cleanliness stat and like a energy stat and you kind of have to manage those as you're going through your day uh you know you can make decisions like in the middle of the night uh, you hear like the townspeople having fun and you can choose to like wake up and go talk with the townspeople and get to know them better uh, at the cost of like a little bit of like uh health essentially because you're like losing your sleep uh you know there's a lot of decisions like that to make throughout the game uh that make each moment in the game feel very purposeful and interesting and full of like uh a lot of memorable moments even though like a lot of it's scripted right but as you go through it and you respond uh in different ways like you can uh, be friendly with people you can choose to be more like coarse more like angry or like you can kind of be more like meek and make people want to like give you things uh hell yeah but, like, how you choose to respond to people doesn't always dictate how they will respond back. Like, I made a joke to somebody once, and they were like, my family died. Is that funny <laughs> to you? <laughs> you know, like, like it's just like, like, you have to kind of tell the... It's hard to tell immediately what the right thing, course of action should be. Uh, but you do get very detailed descriptions of people as you're walking up to them. Uh, which kind of give you clues as to how you might want to treat them and how they might treat you. Uh, and you're always kind of playing a game of dice, like how you kind of interact with people. Although I, in my game, I role-played more as just like a friendly, uh, nice... I was a fighter, because at the beginning you, you kind of choose whether or not you want to be a fighter, a wizard, or a scholar, which changes how you go about solving problems, right? Oh, that's Cause, cool. Yeah, because the wizard has like this whole unique mana system where... Uh, they have like a limited amount of mana that they can use and then it's gone. Oh. Uh, yeah, and like they can only get it back like in this very specific way. I, I don't know the exact way because I didn't play the wizard. Uh, but it's like a whole unique style of fighting, whereas the fighter solves things, you know, more through force and violence. And then the scholar uh, can like make potions and other things in order to get out of binds uh, in ways that like, you know, are non traditional and maybe uh, can involve combat but not in a way that you would think <laughs> it's a lot of like talking and stuff probably yeah a lot of talking through things but you are still your goal is to like you know help guide people through this land and it's a very dangerous and hostile world there's a lot of beasts <laughs> and things that want to kill you uh so like you know you may be escorting somebody one minute and then like some giant you know lizard beast pops out of nowhere and you have to figure out how to deal with that in the moment like do you fire your crossbow do you wait for them to approach and then strike uh you know it, and then it'll just have like a little dice roll next to it 
and you just have to do what you think feels best and then it'll it'll roll the chance and then you'll find out whether you were successful or not uh i love that there is like a quick save system and there's a lot of save slots so you can kind of save scum in the game if you want uh and in that sense i feel like once you get used to the sort of rhythm of the game it can be very relaxing to go through it Mm -hmm. Uh, but it definitely can be really intimidating at the front start of it just this kind of wall of text that you're approached with and have to mangle with Uh, but i did really really enjoy it uh towns are this nice place where you have to talk to lots of people and have quests and encounters and stuff i don't know (laughs) have you played death stranding uh yes so, someone someone tell me is this is this a strand type game it, <laughs> it's a strands like <laughs> it's it feels like a strand type game it, it, it's about connecting people <laughs> over long distances and helping people when you can you're, you're kind of like this messenger delivery boy with a sort of insignificant place in the world with the you know people are going through things much larger than you plagues that are shutting down cities and uh this whole you know zombie apocalypse and there's like kind of cults and, and things that exist out there and it, it it's it's a dangerous world that you you have to kind of decide yourself what you, you think is, is valuable and how you want to navigate it yeah uh, i really really enjoyed it it, it felt more like a D session than any other game that i've played in a very long time and i love that that's a that's a good vibe to capture in a game yeah and I, I think just like the nature of how descriptive the game is and with the little vignettes that they give you, these sort of isometric maps that sort of expand and fill out uh, with fog of war as you explore them. Uh, and then like the nice sound design of like the chirping of birds and the crackling of the trees as you walk around and then suddenly a monster pops up and the music starts and, you know, it's 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 just really really well done and well executed and Hell yeah. for the right person this will be such an amazing game it's hard to recommend to everyone just because of how dense it is and how hard it can be to get into it but it's hard to not recommend for like the right I mean, person you know what i mean that was my struggle with this when we were looking at games too is i was like this looks phenomenal it's been on my wish list for like a year but it's a lot of text, and I can clearly see that it's a lot of text, and that would be a very dense and hard game for me personally to get through. Yeah, and just when you start it, there's a lot of anxiety about, like, oh, God, am I going to be able to make enough money, and, like, am I going to be able to solve the game? Because uh, there is the, the main way that you play the game, it ends after 40 days, and no matter what uh, you've done or where you're at, I guess it just ends after 40 days. Uh, so you have to figure out everything within those 40 days. Or you can play the casual mode, and you don't have to worry about it. You get, like, extra money, and the quests are a little bit easier, and it's just about the story. So if you want to, there is that option available. Uh, And there's even, like, a harder mode with, like, only 30 days and, like, harder encounters if you wanted to. But I don't know. I, I, I think that if you have heard what I said and it has any interest to you, then you should consider it. Because if you like books, you might enjoy this game. If you're a fan of books, you might just find a little something to (laughs) like here, folks. And, uh, you know, maybe if you like board games, you might like this next one. Uh, This next one being... 
Ozmandius. Yeah. I was trying to look up if Roadward had a had an audio mod, a voiceover mod, while you were talking. So I wasn't oh. ready for the I wasn't ready for the changeover. It does not. <laughs> there are no mods for that game at all. It would be cool though. I will say, if anybody would take the time to do like a full <laughs> audio book of that game, fuck, that'd be good. Please. Uh, Osmandius is a game by the Secret Games Company, who has also made Kim, and published by IndieArk, who is another one that's done a lot of games for the Humble Bundle. They did Sigma Theory, Iris and the Giant. They've also done some others like Shogun Showdown, Heroes Hour, Legend of Keepers. They're a pretty big sort of indie publisher as well. This game will run you 974 outside the bundle right now. It is on sale with very positive reviews. This is a, it's a, I, okay, this game is like a 4X city builder, like a Civ style game, but it does a really great job, and I wrote this before I read the reviews on this, and everyone sort of unilaterally agrees on this, that it does a very good job boiling the genre down to like its bare minimum while keeping compelling and engaging gameplay still. It is far, far more approachable than any of these other like 4X games I've played in the past. It's really simple. You start with just like a little bit of your town. You have a set amount of wealth, food, and research points that you get each round. And you can make some adjustments on how like your wealth transfers over. If you want to invest it all in having money the next round. If you want to invest it in getting extra food. Or if you want to invest it in like getting some research points as well. The research points let you buff like the return from your areas. So you get more points for like having more planes or having more mountains or... Uh, you get more power when you're battling in plains regions versus mountains or whatever you invest your research in. Whereas the food is what's used to expand. Each little area takes like 13 food, depending on how much you have invested in the flags. And then as you have more areas around it, it takes less. So you can reduce the cost down to like three or four just to capture the zone. And then your wealth is by and large used to purchase armies so that you have a force to battle people. And then you can dump points into power as well, which makes your army stronger and makes the like contested zones determine who wins. It's that's that's it to the game. That's pretty much it. Uh, you you win ultimately by building wonders, which just have sort of trigger states that establish who gets it when. It's like uh, you know have six cities in your village, and so like you get and as soon as you build your sixth city, you'll automatically claim that wonder, and then you need two wonders to win the game. So it's kind of a race between you and the other people to see who can get to these objectives the quickest. And there's a wide variety of them. Some of them have to do with like conquering. Some of them have to do with battles. Some of them have to do with just like city management. Some of them have to do with getting tiles in a certain, like a certain amount of a certain type of tiles, things like that. So like pretty standard win sets for these games. It's got, a very good tutorial that just kind of takes you through. There's like four steps to it. It's like, first step is just acquiring land. This is how food works. Second step is just, uh, doing the, doing research points. It's like, we're introducing you to that now. And here's how you can use research points. And then third step is like, now you have wealth and can build an army. So it it kind of hits on all those little things. It doesn't explain how the battling works immediately because it's all like a single player tutorial. So it doesn't, explain like contesting land and who wins that but it's very visual and after like one game you catch on real easy to what's going on it's just based on who has the most power for those contested zones in the surrounding areas uh 
it it in this game it like it feels like a board game. It feels like like you're playing sort of like uh, a Carcassonne or one of those kinds of games mixed with a 4X. There's a lot of like tile placement management sort of stuff, but it, it's still at a core is just like a very simple boiled down 4X game. There's not any story, there's not much themes, you know, conquer people for power, I guess. But that's it. <laughs> it's it's a simple and clean game, and I don't have much negative to say about it. And like, yeah, that's that's the game. <laughs> you have a lot of like the simple ones this week. Yeah, I feel like you take you you typically take the really simple ones. <laughs> well, I mean, you pick you picked the in depth ones. You went with those choices. I guess you're right. I do pick my poison, <laughs> you, huh? You had Outer Worlds <laughs> and Road Warden and fucking... <laughs> all all, all of those were like your top picks, yeah. so... <laughs> it's true. I do like those. <laughs> uh, it was it was good. This one was a, it was a saver for sure for me. I didn't put a ton of time into it, maybe like an hour, but that was all I needed to feel comfortable about talking about this game because it was it was very simple. It was everything I needed to know was right there. I played a couple rounds. I got familiar with the controls. There's nothing flashy about it. So I I will definitely probably pick this one up and play it again in the future. It's just like a, I need a game to sit down real quick and, and hit up or probably force Bax to play it with me because it does have <laughs> multiplayer and we didn't try that out. And he oh, is an aficionado of this genre, so he could probably speak more on it if he plays it. Oh, uh, I, I, as as many to know, I am the premier aficionado of the genre. I don't know if you know, but Sid Meier's actually called Bax once and was like, "Hey, how do you how do you think my games play? What do I need to tweak?" Yeah, and I told him uh, everything he had to fix. Uh, yeah, and that's why Sid Five is trash. Yeah. <laughs> it's because i'm really really bad at giving directions <laughs> great ideas bad direction yeah <laughs> speaking of great ideas uh our next game here on the list is temtem uh this is a game developed by cream the games they're a spanish developer known for making immortal redneck uh and this was published by humble games our our parent publisher in a way uh, they made Wildfire, Signalis, Unpacking, Ickenfell, Proteus, Dodgeblock, and Damia, and a ton of others. Uh, they're a great publisher, but this game is forty four ninety nine, which is actually quite a bit when you consider that. I mean, this is like one of the higher ticket items here. Uh, yeah, that's a real ass game. Yeah, this is like a this is a real game price here, folks. And the reason why is because it's Pokemon, folks. Pokemon Whoa. comes at a premium. I didn't know Pokemon <laughs> made a made a new game. Well, they didn't. This is <laughs> an indie game that is an MMO of Pokemon. Uh, it's Pokemon, but you can play with your friends. <sighs> the entire thing. <laughs> I love my friends. I love my friends too. <laughs> but like, if you've played a Pokemon game, it's hard for me to say that like this is a game that you you are com entirely unfamiliar with like, like this is this you you played this game before you, you get the three tems to choose from at the beginning you talk with your mom you're off on your adventure you clear the gyms you get to the end of the game you collect all the creatures it's it follows every <laughs> single one of the main beats of a regular ass pokemon game so i feel like in order to really talk about this game it's more helpful to talk about what's different from pokemon than all of the things that this game encompasses. Because if you play Pokemon, you know what to expect. 
the main the main deal is that you can play the entire game in co-op from start to finish which is a really big deal and it is super fun to play with a friend but you can say that about just about anything it's true (laughs) it's true uh every game every battle in this is a double battle which i really like i think double battles are the most interesting type of battles in pokemon and one-on-one battles kind of get really old really quickly so i'm a big fan of that uh pp the the in pokemon which is like used for uh moves like you run out of pp then you can't (laughs) use the move anymore (laughs) i hate it when i have no pp i hate it when i have no pp too dude it's just the worst you just feel just feel raw uh so moves in this instead use a stamina meter so they can use be used indefinitely as long as your little tem has the stamina for it so they have to rest turns in order to regain that stamina or they can regain it while being switched out uh and because of that it feels i i don't know pp i feel like it's a system that never really made much sense to me it's like something that you only really encounter while grinding and it never really is something that comes up at all in competitive for the most part, unless it's like a move that only has like five uses or mm-hmm. something. Uh, and because of that, stamina feels so much more proactive and interesting, where you have to really think about what move you're going to use and how much stamina you're going to have remaining for the rest of the fight uh, before you like use a move. If you want to just like use a massive move with a ton of stamina to try to take a guy out really quickly, or if you want to kind of conserve the stamina for the long fight. Uh, there's well, a lot and more considerations to be had. I, I think I think there's something that you're missing about stamina talking about that I think is a very important and interesting element of it, and that Please. is the if you choose to go consume over the amount, like having stamina doesn't stop you from using a move if you don't oh, have yeah, enough. Oh yeah, that's true. You can't you actually can choose... overexert your guy. Exactly, you can choose to overexert your guy, in which you'll take an equivalent amount of health damage that it would have cost you in stamina to use the move. And you ex- overexert yourself and can't make an action next turn as well. Yeah, which is a really interesting risk-reward mechanic. So if you know for sure that you can take out uh, the other guy with this next move, but they don't have the stamina for it, and maybe they're really low health, you can have them sacrifice themselves uh, to take out the other guy and then, like, you know, win the match. It's it's a fantastic blend of risk and reward, honestly. Yeah, I, I just think that in comparison to the the pp system it's just so much better it's just it's just such a a refreshing system that like i i makes me want to keep playing it and i i really really enjoy it even just like the basic uh way that the the fights work it turns picking abilities into making choices yeah no that's so true i feel like in, in in pokemon it's just you choose whatever move does the most damage until you run out of it and then you do the next one mm-hmm. and it's not very interesting Whereas in this, it feels like you're making much more conscious decisions about, like, well, how much of the fight do I have remaining? How much more of the fight do I want to do with this character? Do I think that they can last if I, like, wait a turn and just heal them? Or do I think that I need to exhaust them and just get the damage out right away? Uh, There's just a lot more thought that goes into each fight in a really cool way. Types are also pretty much basically the same from uh, any regular Pokemon game, though there are some new and different types that... Uh, we'll take some getting used to. The starting trio that they give you is Crystal, Melee, and Mind. And uh, if that doesn't really make sense, then, uh, just get ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Crystal uh, can be beaten by Melee, and Melee can be beaten by Mind, and Mind can uh, be beaten by Crystal, as I believe how that works. 
So, you know, uh, it, it'll take some getting used to. And the nice thing about catching all of the Thames uh, is that when you catch a Thames, you can see whether or not a move will be effective against them automatically. It'll have like a little green circle or a little red circle uh, when you're about to choose the opponent for the move. Uh, so it does give you like a legitimate like gameplay reason to want to catch every Tem in the game, even if you just release them. <laughs> Uh, so that you can then have that like extra info when you're making a fight and you don't have to like check a wiki or anything to figure out if the move you're about to use is actually effective. I do uh, in that same regard wish that they pulled that same move with when you were picking your mons to bring out to. That would be nice, honestly. There's, there's little quality of life things that might be kind of nice. But the nice thing about this game is that they definitely listen to the community quite a lot. And it seems like a lot of the things that they have added post-release are mainly things that are like, uh, things that the community suggested, uh, like some uh, trainers that were like you had to talk with them in order to progress, are now like on an iPad and you can talk to them for like an optional fight, uh, but they won't force you to fight them. You know, there's like a bunch of little tiny optimizations like that all throughout the game that make it. It's it's like all of the little tiny optimizations and nitpicks that a really major Pokemon fan would have about Pokemon if they were mm-hmm. making their own Pokemon game. Like that is what this game is in a nutshell, and you can really see that. In the post-game content, I think, which I didn't get to, but you can't actually access uh, from the main menu if you just input the Konami code. just lets you access like all the challenge modes at the very least, uh, which include a speedrun mode, which adds like an automatic timing thing on the right-hand side of the screen whenever you're walking around. Uh, so you can see, like, uh, you can time yourself and, like, do, like, best-of runs and uh, make speedrunning the game, like, really, really easy. So uh maybe there's i don't know how big the speedrunning community is but i feel like it must be fostered at least a little bit by the fact that that mode exists uh there's a nuzlocke mode as well and a random lock mode which (laughs) i am so happy that they implemented this in the game because nuzlocke is such a fun way to play the game but there is never an official way to play it through the main pokemon games and i think that's the dumbest decision like it is such a fun and interesting way to play the game where if you don't know what a nuzlocke run is you essentially get like a limited number of pokemon that you can catch and uh if you have a pokemon that dies it gets released and it's gone forever so literally the first fight when i did a nuzlocke run i attempted one on my own earlier today uh i (laughs) fought the first guy and died and wiped out and then and had to restart the game like (laughs) (laughs) and then i did it and then uh, instead of getting a bunch of like crappy starters i did the random lock which gives you a bunch of random pokemon random abilities and it's insane i got like a bunch of essentially like legendary pokemon like right at the start and (laughs) i i was so amazed i like had to look up each one uh i guess they're not really legendary just like high evolutions it was nidrasil tutsu and Giralis, which one of those is, I guess, like in one of the the game's versions of like an evolution. This game's version Hell of yeah. an Eevee is like a bird, and that was like the the flying bird rock type suits. <laughs> and then I ended up choosing Giralis, which is like this uh fighting crystal type. They were really really buff, and I am now scared to play that because I don't want to lose <laughs> <laughs> these strong Pokemon. I mean Temtem. You mentioned that this game feels like it was just made by a really, like, a big fan of the game. 
in that regard, it doesn't just show in the gameplay too. It shows in like the humor and the story mm-hmm. and the interactions. Like there, there oh, are characters yeah. that you bump into and you talk, try to talk to them and you're like, Tim, Tim up. It's time to fight. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Not everyone here is obsessed with fucking Tim, Tim. I'm just here enjoying <laughs> a walk. And that's so true. Cause in every Pokemon game, every trainer everywhere always wants to fight. Doesn't matter who they are. They always want to fight. And they always care about Pokemon. They always want to talk about Pokemon. Everybody only cares about Pokemon. And then the, the, the fact that, like, you have an NPC in this game, you walk up to him, and they're like, dude, what are you, like, walk? Fucking There's chill, grass. bro. Yeah. Chill. <laughs> when was the last time you had a picnic? <laughs> I don't know. Stuff like that really, it, it, it catches me off guard sometimes and makes me <laughs> laugh and, and put, puts a little special warmth in my heart. I just like the little descriptions like on the moves, too. They're so good. Yeah, the descriptions are really, really funny. I like those. Uh, another cool thing that like they added post-release is this Pokemon Stadium mode called Showdown. Uh, it exists as a standalone free-to-play game that you can just download separate from the main game if you want to get into the competitive scene without having to like actually grind and make your own Pokemon. Uh, so you can just like choose like Thames and then uh, just like battle in like a ranked playset, which the ranked uh, playset rules are really interesting where you choose uh, eight Thames instead of six. And then each player like does this selection process where they get two bands and they take turns choosing who's on the team, which is really interesting. Just that kind of consideration doesn't really happen for <laughs> Pokemon because I don't really think that they care about their competitive scene hardly at all. Yeah. And they make it just so much easier to get into that and be interested in that in this game by making it so you don't have to do all of the busy work to to get to that point and they also make uh it so that if you're streaming the game on twitch then you're just on like the main front page of the game which is such a good feature for an mmo like that is a fantastic way to try to connect the community together. because i actually had a lot of people visit my stream and then come and talk to me and like play with me and, and give me things and it makes the community feel like so connected and it makes streaming the game feel very rewarding because you're always like connecting with an audience that's out there and is really active yeah they're they're very like embracing of newcomers and i had a fantastic time with it it's a really solid package with just a lot of replay value and a really active community if you want to play a pokemon where the devs actually care and listen to their fans instead of just pumping out a shit ton more content like, look no further than here. I feel like this is a game where the people really care about what they're making, and they want to make the best Pokemon-style game that they can uh, in the same vein as those original games. So you should check it out. If it yeah. had any nitpicks, I'd say uh, it isn't always obvious what each Tem type is, so memorizing the type advantages can be really difficult. And if you're looking for a game that revolutionizes what it means to be a monster-catching <laughs> RPG, this is not that. It's just, it's, 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 it's Pokemon again. It's pretty safe from what's come before. Look, you don't have to call me out. <laughs> I mean, it, you, you did say it a couple times. <laughs> but it is true. <laughs> this is a saver. I think that more people should give this a try, especially if you only tried it in early access. They've added a lot of updates since then. Uh, and playing this game co-op was an absolute blast. Plays well in the Steam Deck, though I, I found it does run a little bit hot. Uh, if you love Pokemon, just just try it. Give it a shot. Why not? Yeah. Uh, speaking of pumping things out, 
<laughs> which you said like five minutes ago, but 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 I, I held I, on to the segue. I, I, I kept was gonna... it, wow. it was grasped in my hand. Uh, <laughs> Pokemon games aren't the only things getting pumped out. Just like this pump was... action shotgun in Shotgun King, the final checkmate. I was gonna say if you're a fan of chess, maybe consider this next one. But, you know, <laughs> let's go with that. Let's go with that instead. Let's just go. Let's go with it. The devs of this game are Punk Cake Delicious. Uh, they also did The Watcher's Din and Moon Pong, which are both charming-looking games. They are self-published as well. This game runs you nine ninety nine outside the bundle. It's got very positive reviews. It, it's, it's the game might imply, this game is just chess. That's all there is to it. You're just casually playing some chess. Oh, yes, regular old chess. Okay, okay. Maybe it's not. Maybe maybe it's chess, but you only have one piece, which makes it a little more difficult. I mean, you, they the, the, the opponent does have a lot of pieces, and you do just have your king, so it's kind of chess with a twist in that way, you know? And it's, it's a fun, turn-based, roguelike chess game where you just play as your king, your lone king. With no other possible twists or interesting mechanics whatsoever. Yeah, except... What if you gave the king a shotgun? And that's what this game is. It's chess. It's a turn-based action game. So you're just like, you take turns, black goes, you move your piece, or you shoot your shotgun, or you reload, or you use an action. Those are your four options on your turn. Real simple. Gets a little complex if you get, like, grenades, then you could choose to use your turn to throw a grenade instead, or eventually you can get, like, a knife and you could stab someone instead, but it's the same premise, right? You get one action, and then white goes, and white moves all of their pieces at once. So, like, it's not all of them at once, they sort of alternate of, like, pawns move every three turns or whatever, you know, rooks move every two turns, there's kind of a set, a number of turns it takes for each piece to action, and so on the white's turn, any piece that can make an action in that turn does. And that's it. That's all there really is to it. And you just run around and you've set yourself up with your shotgun and you get in formation and you fucking blast some pawns or blast some rooks or blast some knights. Or And the goal is to kill the white queen, or the white king before you get killed by the other pieces. Uh, the other pieces kill you in the standard way of checkmate. So if, you know, if you have, if you get put in checkmate and you can't move anywhere without still being in check, you die. Uh, there's also discovered checks. So like if a pawn is blocking a rook and you shoot the pawn and now the rook can see you, you put yourself in discovered check and you die. Uh, there's a lot of fun little like chess features like that throughout. And there's also the, the, the souls, which are like, if you kill a face piece, so you kill a bishop or a knight or a rook or a queen, you get the ability to move like that piece for one as a, as a limited use item. So you can pop it once and move like a queen for one round, one turn instead. So it, it's kind of cool. There's a lot of like dynamic gameplay in this. Like you're playing chess and the rules of chess apply. And so you know what you're doing and you know, like the dangers and what to watch out for, but you also got a shotgun and sometimes you can just shoot the king instead of having to deal with the queen that's got you in check. It's fun, and there's a lot of really good roguelike elements where it's like every every single turn, so each, if you're playing, there's throne mode, which is like you're progressing through 12 floors, and then there's endless mode, which is like you can grind through the whole thing, or like you can play until you die. And in throne mode, every time you clear a level, you get to pick between two upgrades, and both of the upgrades also upgrade your opponent. 
And I, I, I honestly think this is like the most unique part and interesting part of this game because it causes really interesting decisions on the player side of things. Because sometimes there's a really good buff, like turn your shotgun into a sniper rifle. And it's like, that's fantastic. But it might also give a really good benefit to the enemy. So it might be like, oh, you get this, but also the enemy gets two additional queens or the king can't die if there's a bishop on the board. So there's this dynamic of like, do I want to give the enemy the buff or do I want to take the ability that I want kind of thing? It's like I might take a bad ability because it also gives the opponent a bad ability. Whereas it's not always I'm going to pick the best thing every single time. So there's there's a lot of dynamic in the game. There's a lot of like, you know, you can get grenades, you can upgrade your like, there's four or five main stats. You have firing range, you have damage, you have your firing arc, so how wide the shots move. Uh, and then you have, what was the last one? Range, damage, arc. Uh, you have, like, your number of shells, right? So uh, the the default shotgun holds, like, two shells in the chamber and, like, four pieces of ammo. And so you can get upgrade your ammo so you can hold more, which means you you can reload easier. Or sometimes you can upgrade the amount of shells in your chamber as well. So there's, like, a split between there as well. So, like, it's it's good. It's solid. And there's there's a little bit of a story here, too. It's not a super in-depth story but like you start throne mode and they're like you've been a terrible king and the people have rebelled they hate you you're a fucking awful king and everyone's abandoned you you have nothing left to defend your kingdom your bishops have left your knights have left your rooks have left even your faithful queen has told you to fuck off because you're a dick and these aren't the exact words of the game obviously <laughs> i'm doing a little bit of a dramatizing a yeah uh, but you still have your handy shotgun, and as long as you have your shotgun, your kingdom is safe. So that's the premise of the game, and then it's like the fucking white invaders are coming in to take over your kingdom, and you got your shotgun handy, and you keep them off your goddamn porch. Uh, and and that's that's it. That's that's the premise, and you know you get some like flavor dialogue at the end too when you win, and it's like this is it. This is you've you've managed to secure your legacy for one for one more century, but. As always, things change and the cycle repeats itself. And uh, once there was a king, it will be you will fall, and there will be another to take your place, kind of thing. You know, it's that whole very on the head talk about like power and the 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 like transfer of power and how like when one person gets corrupt, someone's gonna cut off their head and put a new system in place, and then that system's gonna get corrupt, and then someone's gonna cut off their head and put a new system in place. So it's that whole standard like talk about the you know the, the fucking aristocracy and the revolution and and what it means to be a ruling class versus the peasants and you know it's it's good it's it's a charming little story that is like four frames of dialogue when you start the game and four frames of dialogue when you end the game uh, <laughs> it's kind of all it needs to be in a game called shotgun king it really is yeah this sets it sets up the premise nice it the gameplay is fun and interesting it's it's good uh, is one of my favorite things about this though is just like the the fucking underhanded themes about gun violence, and it's just like you're this fucking king. No one else in this kingdom has a gun except for you, and the <laughs> fucking damage you do is the one motherfucker with a gun. Like you are just slaughtering people who come after you one after another because no one can fight you. They they got fucking swords, and you got a gun, and you're holed up in your fucking throne, like. 
<laughs> it's just like the devastation of a firearm. The game really hits on the head and gets so well. Yeah, I, I love that about it because it's, it's just it's just so subtle. And it's just like it's a fucking meme game that like just just hits it hits the nail on the head so well. Uh, it's it's a solid game. I don't really have a lot of nitpicks about it. The gameplay is fun. If I had anything to complain about, honestly, it's that, like, I wish the rounds were a little snappier sometimes, because if you're playing in throne mode, you can get into a run that, like, it, it the game feels like it wants to move really quick, but also it moves at the pace of chess, like, straight up. Even even if you're playing, it, it feels like you're playing a game of chess. It's make a move, opponent moves, make a move, opponent moves, make a move, opponent moves, make a move opponent and it's li literally that for like 12 floors of gameplay so like i wish it was a little bit snappier sometimes and like you could get into the flow a little bit quicker but you're kind of confined to it being a game of chess and the game capturing that feel of it being a game of chess incredibly well uh and i wish there was a little bit more like randomization because there's not a ton of uniqueness in the runs because there's there's probably like 20 unique upgrades total in the game so it really feels like i've seen everything after i played like five or six rounds and then it's just like picking between the things i like the most uh it's not there's not a lot of like oh I've, I've played this game for 40 hours and i just saw this item for the first time it's like no i know what my build is and if i don't get it in like two floors then i know to go with something else you know mm -hmm. it's pretty reliable in what you can expect to get which also makes like planning runs a little easier and a little more like you can play around with it a little more of like well what if i did do these things next time they're probably going to show up so i can build that way because there's you know eight items in the pool uh so i wish there's like a little bit more uniqueness between that and like more uh the characters in this game so to speak are the guns you get to start with so there's like four or five total guns that you can unlock to play with and they're all i mean it's a gun. A gun isn't, like... <laughs> no matter how diverse you make the guns, they still mostly end up just feeling like shotguns. So even even picking the, the guns at the start don't really feel that meaningful. It's just like, ah, this one's got a little bit more of a fire arcer. The coolest gun is the one with a knife in it, so you get to start with the melee ability right off the bat. Like, Yo, a shotgun than... with a knife? That's so extra. Yeah, it's like a little bayonet. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that. It's great. It's a, it's 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 a solid one, and then you get to just like stab the pawns as they come close to you and shit. It's it's solid, but like that's the most unique one. All the others just feel like shotguns, and I wish there was like a handful more of like, oh, this one's a machine gun or something like something that felt unique and like I'm playing something different and not just a kind of uh, like I could build this shotgun in a run by picking the right upgrades. <laughs> yeah, that's Shotgun King. Did I breathe during that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Consider breathing now. Uh, it was a saver for sure. I, I owned and played this game before it was dropped in the bundle, and I really enjoyed it. I honestly thought I had more time in this game than I do, and that just goes to speak of, like, it feels like a game of chess. You play this, it feels like you're playing for four hours and you played for 15 minutes. Like, it's fucking chess. So, if you if you enjoy chess and you want, like, a silly, quirky variety of chess, or you like turn-based RPGs and you want something that just feels a little more flavorful, it's a good game. And it's one that I pick up every once in a while pretty regularly, and I, I definitely recommend it. It's a saver, for sure. Seems like a really good Steam Deck game. Oh, it's a fantastic little Steam Deck game. Absolutely. 
it's sort of out of this world as a Steam Deck game. Just like our next game, The Outer World Spacer's Choice Edition. I actually don't know if it's Steam Deck compatible. I'll find that out later. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this game is developed by Obsidian Entertainment and uh, Virtuous Games. I had never heard of them before, and they haven't made any other games, so I won't talk about them. But must be the Spacer's Choice Edition upgrades. There's a couple of unique little extra things here, uh, but I'll get to that. Uh, Obsidian Entertainment has also made a lot of games in the past, such as Fallout New Vegas, Pentiment, Grounded, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, South Park, The Stick of Truth, Pillars of Eternity, and uh, many more, including the sequel of The Outer Worlds, The Outer Worlds 2, coming out soon. Uh, this game is published by Private Division. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they are the same people that have published Kerbal Space Program, uh, Ancestors, The Humankind Odyssey, Ollie, Ollie World Roller Drome, after Us, Disintegration, and very soon, uh, the new uh, Sonic Adventure-inspired Penny's Big Breakaway. Nice! Yeah! This game is $59.99, and this is, to be overly reductive, Fallout New Vegas, but in space! <laughs> it is a single-player, story-driven RPG. If you never heard of those before... You generate a unique character, you get a custom backstory, you explore this big, beautiful world with all of these unique traits uh, for yourself. And uh, it's fairly, you know, traditional setup for a Bethesda-adjacent RPG, uh, although I think Obsidian does the role-playing part of this game very, very well, offering a lot of additional dialogue options and ways to solve problems and quests uh, based on the aspects of your character, like their low intelligence or their specialized background. Uh, there's a lot of ways besides just shooting things to solve problems, whether that's through science or persuasion or, you know. No way. I know, it's like an RPG or something. I didn't know there uh, were other solutions than gun. I know. I like just using gun too, but it turns out there's other ways. Uh, <laughs> Don't the let the style king hear. Of... <laughs> Don't let the king hear that. The style of this game is very 1950 pulpy sci-fi uh very much in the reminiscent of the golden age of science fiction sort of uh john w campbell isaac asimov that like space opera serial style of uh narrative and your crewmates even like at, at some points gush about like their favorite serials that they're watching <laughs> while like they're hanging out on the ship which is super cute uh it when speaking of the ship you become the captain of the unreliable over the course of this game uh and you explore the outer reaches of space, shooting up bandits and the local wildlife while gathering crewmates and solving quests. It's got a focus on this faction-based combat, or faction-based conflict, I should say, where there's uh, many different resolutions to the lives of the different people living on these uh, planets at the edge of the galaxy. And it's up to you to choose who you side with and who you go against. Uh, in that way, it's very similar to New Vegas. Uh, where you are either loved or vilified by various different groups based on your actions, and that changes how they respond to your character, and that can vary from people just being nicer and giving you discounts to the st at their store to literally shooting you on sight. Damn. <laughs> I mean, you kill enough people, it's kind of, you know, to be expected. <laughs> your face is going to be on the wanted poster. It is very fun to explore all these different uh, planets and space stations. Each one serves as a different little quest hub and exploration hub. Uh, there's lots of lore to uh, find and neat things to, uh, you know, 
explore and, and take home with you. Uh, it's got a great sense of humor, likes to surprise you with lots of little funny uh, audio or uh, message logs and machines and neat little environmental details that'll make you giggle. Guffaw, perhaps. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing that you find in those games are these science-based weapons. They're often rewards for specific quests, and they have wacky properties that can be very deadly and silly. Like a blob gun uh, that you shoot and has things bounce around, or a gun that turns people against their friends, or this stick that you can smack people with and then launches them across the map. <laughs> you know, silly little things Delightful. like that as rewards for quests. I love stuff like that, and especially when it's also a useful weapon. Such a great reward, and I love stuff like that in this game. The Spacer's Choice Edition has a couple upgrades, uh, where it has slightly better graphics, supposedly an improved performance, though I, I've heard conflicting reports on that. Uh, it adds additional animations in higher-res environments, and it also increases the level cap. So there's mm. a couple different ways that you can branch out your character and build the skill tree because of that. Uh, but otherwise, it's basically the same as the previous game, just with all the DLC included. And the DLC is really good. Uh, one of the DLCs is like a murder mystery theme where you have to find out uh, who killed somebody and it's super fun. Uh, the other one plays a little bit more on that like pulpy sci-fi thing. Uh, and it has a lot of really important lore about like how all of the bandits in, in the world came to be. Uh, and I really enjoyed uh, the game. I played through the whole thing on my own before it was included in the bundle. So it's just a little easier for me to cover <laughs> for that reason. But I should say, the the game starts out with you being woken up out of cryostasis. You're one of the last people from a uh, shipment of humans sent from Earth. Uh, they've been frozen solid, waiting to be awoken on the far edges of the galaxy where the game is taking place. Uh, and you are only one of thousands of people who are left up in the spaceship. The scientist who wakes you up basically tells you that, like, I only have enough cryostasis reawakening fluid to get only you out and i'm sending you out right now good luck have fun hopefully we <laughs> can get the rest of the people out of here soon anyway goodbye uh and you get sent down your pod crashes down on top of captain hawthorne uh who you essentially end up replacing you take his ship the unreliable and the rest of the game is like you flying around in his ship and everybody is like wait are you hoth no okay. you can actually claim to be hawthorne <laughs> to everybody if you want to you can just you can fully replace hawthorne if you want to or you can play your own character it's, it's really funny how uh, they kind of let you let you do that it's a game where capitalism has caused humanity to explore the vast outer reaches of space trying to uh, plunge the the resources that they can out of the the things that they're finding out here Everybody is being taken advantage of by somebody, and the major heads of industry and corporations are always looming over other people, affecting their decisions. Uh, the people are always eating food that isn't even very nutritious as well. Uh, no one is really thriving out here except for the people in power who are making all of the money. Uh, there's this feeling that, you know the world that people knew is so far away and they are so divorced from it that the morals and scruples of people it don't just apply here it's a different sort of moral system uh, of thinking about things and that way it kind of reminds me of the previous fallout games which can be thought of as like a way to, of exploring ethics in a post-nuclear world this is sort of like exploring ethics in a uh post 
end state capitalism science <laughs> late, exploration. Late stage capitalism. Late, late, late stage capitalism space exploration. And it's, it's what if we continue at our current rate, but also yeah. space travel happens. And everything is a little bit 1950s pulpy sci-fi, uh, you know, laser beams and uh, cool shit. Like, I mean, in that sense, too, it's, like, 1950s, like, labor laws, too, that it hits yeah. on a lot of, too. Like, you got company towns in this game, like, which oh, were yeah. a very real thing. That this, The starting area of this game is absolutely a company town. And one of the first moral dilemmas of, that, of the game that the player is faced with is whether or not to divert power from the company town to give it to another town nearby that has no power but has a chance of being... Uh, potentially like self-sustaining because they're not trying to harvest the salt tuna out in the wild. They're actually trying to like grow plants in this alien environment by like re-engineering like the, the, the life on this planet so that it actually can hopefully provide them with nutrients. Right. And, and what I think is so cool about games like this that do, do a really good job capturing like the moral dilemma too, is that, they also show you the sort of and make you feel the ramifications of those actions, right? Like this is a shitty ass company town, but like people live here and they rely on it. And if you divert power, these people that work here are going to die because this is their town. Yeah. And like, I don't want to spoil what happens towards the end of the game, but that decision comes back to haunt you based on what you choose. Uh, you may have to like make an even harder decision because of the people that you've now abandoned. Because mm -hmm. uh, either way, you're having to choose one group of people over another group of people. Even if you know one of those groups of people are essentially corporate stooges, it's not like they chose that <laughs> life. You know, yeah, they're, they're just, just living, like they're trying to live their best life. Because like, what other life do they have? Like, they have to make money. Mm hmm. And they kind of don't know what a life outside of a company town would be because, like, they're on the fringes of the galaxy. They have no support. They have no fucking, like, anything that they would have to make for themselves, they'd have to find and figure out on their own and on a planet that is hostile to them and actively against their own biology. Like, the, the, the native makeup of plants here just is not supportive of human life. You know, mm -hmm. and, and it's about dealing with that reality. And, like, <laughs> how can we survive out here? if we don't have the resources for everyone yeah uh, and and how do you divert those resources between the people that are here to try to make a meager living of what we do have uh and, and exploring that through the perspective of just this one ship captain who sort of explores and helps people along mm -hmm. with whatever they have going on in their life the writing in oh, this I is see. top notch it's it's 100% the reason why you should check this game out uh, cuz i mean the combat is like okay I'd say if I had a nitpick, it's just that, like, I haven't really it's talked so about bad. the combat It's much. so bad. It's so bad. The combat I know is trash. That you, I know that you hate it, and I can <laughs> see where you're coming from. I don't think it's that bad, because I've played through all of Fallout 3, and that is, it's way worse. But it's like, made on the same but, engine with no innovations to the engine or the gameplay, no, so it, yes, it it's just as bad, basically. I, don't, I think it is a different engine. I think it's a different proprietary engine from Obsidian. Is it? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's... I could be wrong. Or at least a, a branch of it. Yeah, I, I could be wrong on that. I'll, I'll double check, but I, I'm pretty sure that it is actually like a new engine that because they, they don't work for Bethesda anymore. I don't think they're they're their own entity now. Oh, you are right. It is made on Unreal or uh, a Unity, not Unreal. It does not feel like an Unreal game. It's Unity. Yeah. 
doesn't feel okay. like it. <laughs> it does not feel like it. It feels like it's made on the same engine. They. <laughs> it, it feels like a Bethesda game through and through. It really does. With the way yeah. that like people just look at you dead on and you talk to them. And there's like no sense of like camera work whatsoever. Like... <laughs> It, it it really like it feels like they they knew how to develop on that engine and just went to unity and built the same game with the same foundations of that engine pretty much yeah but like their own world that they can kind of develop in their own way uh and like with what they have set up in this world i am so excited for the outer worlds too i really think that it'll be a, a, a really interesting game to watch out for uh i think so too I mean, given given that this was built on Unity, that gives me a lot more hope that, like, this was probably just them learning the engine and sort of, like, finding their footing of this is how we've developed games and this is what we're used to in the flow. So I bet the second one will feel a lot crunchier, too, and better. Yeah, and, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I remember Fallout 3 had the, that system, which the combat in that game was so bad that, like, it kind of needed it so that you can, like, <laughs> literally pause the game and just have it play for you. And yeah. this game has a somewhat similar feature where you can slow down time. Uh, it's just sort of like your your space time, I guess. Like the idea is like you, you've just woken from cryo sleep, so some aspects of how you view the world are, are a little bit different than other people. So you can like slow down time while you're shooting uh, to kind of you know, it, it, it still feels like you're shooting though. It's not like the VAT system where it's a solution where you don't have to play the game if you don't want to. You're still shooting people. You it know, feels it like, I mean, yeah, gameplay-wise, it feels closer to playing, like, Mass Effect 1 than Fallout. Yeah, me. for sure. For sure. I would agree with that. And, I mean, I don't like... Both I don't still mind terrible the, gunplay. <laughs> I recently played through Mass Effect 1, all of it. I don't mind the game, the shooting in those games. I think that it's fine. I think it's a good distraction from the <laughs> main gameplay, but I think that's all that it kind of can be. Because it's not it's as still, good as, like, a Doom or, like, a, you know, whatever. It's just bad like, gunplay. That's the it's problem. not that bad. It could it's be not better. That. It's, it's so it's okay. bad. It's so it's, bad. It's not the best. But, I mean, like... <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not playing that game because I, I really want to shoot dudes, necessarily. I'm playing it because I want to get lost in this really interesting, well-developed world with interesting characters. and this. Uh, Which is valid. Yeah, it, it's, it's dealing with such interesting themes and uh, exploring such an interesting uh, style and setting that like I kind of am able to excuse. Excuse the. Uh, I really want to like this game, and I really want to play it, and I should probably try the remastered version because maybe that fixes some of the really clunky gameplay a little bit. Maybe but... I don't think it would fix too much. I mean, it's it's the same game overall. It's just a little shinier, yeah. shinier coat of paint. I think part of the problem is that like so much of games for me is that it's a fidget, right? Like it is something mm. to to do with my hands and my brain while I am enjoying the story or something. But like as soon as there's a disconnect of that, as soon as I'm not enjoying the fidget. I cannot get into it. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of, I guess, your mileage may vary. Like, if you don't play much, like, shooting games, you'll probably not really have much of an issue, like what we're talking about. Like, this yeah. probably won't even <laughs> affect you whatsoever if you don't play many shooting games and you just are enjoying the game for what it is. This but is, yeah, 99% of people do not have this problem. This is a me yeah. problem. <laughs> this is a Johnny problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean... This is a saver. I absolutely love this game. I played the whole thing from start to end on stream uh, on a viewer request, and I'm so thankful that they requested me to play that game because it was right down my alley. Uh, and if anything that I've sound sounds interesting to you, consider giving it a check out and uh, maybe check out the sequel when it comes out too.
Hell yeah. It is, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, too. It's a phenomenal game. Like, the story and the theming and everything, it's so pertinent to today, too, that, like, you should play this game. <laughs> There's so many times where I, like, playing that game, I would look at the screen and, <laughs> like, deadpan, like, I've I've seen this before. Like, I've lived we, this before. Yeah, we all know what they're <laughs> talking like about right now. This is, like, ten times more extreme. It's just, like... They're not talking about tuna. They're level. talking about plastics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, genuinely. But uh, it's it's just a, such a memorable game full of great characters that I think you would enjoy if you like getting lost in an interesting world. Yeah. And if you want memorable characters in an interesting world, then there's no other game to play than Yakuza 4. I mean, you should probably play also. <laughs> to, I mean, not you should play the from... <laughs> previous Yakuza games as well, and also the, 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 the game that I just mentioned too. But you know, yeah, this is this is a game from Ryu Ga Gotoku Studio, which is a subsidiary of Sega. It looks like that did the Yakuza games and also Monkey Ball. And I accidentally put a capital A here, so I'm just gonna say Monkey, Monkey Ball. Uh. Monkey Ball. <laughs> Uh, it is published by Sega and is Sega. You should know what Sega publishes. They do everything. They're Sega. Read a book. You'll, they'll, that'll tell you what Sega does. <laughs> I can't, I'd be here all day listing games from Sega if I listed games from Sega. <laughs> this is a game that'll run you nineteen ninety nine, uh, outside of the bundle, and it's got very positive reviews for good reason. <laughs> It is a third-person action game, and it's a pretty standard open-world-esque GTA kind of game that's just, like, loaded with a bunch of side-filler content, and you just kind of, like, walk around the city and, and like, you know, do your little quests and run into people that need some help with things and do some side quests and do some little mini-games. And the uh, the core action element of the game is that it's, like, a combo fighter, right? So you're, like, you're hitting your button combos to do, like, strings of light and heavy attacks, uh, most of them end up, you know, like knocking an enemy down or, or, you know, you can like charge up into like your heat mode, which lets you do like super cool finishes that like overly brutal and completely unnecessary. The heat but, modes are like the best part of the combat, honestly. Oh, a hundred percent. Seeing all the different things that you can pick up and then smash against other people is the best. And the different it, ways you can hurt people in glorious ways. It reminded me of playing, like, Blitz, because, like, so much of it was like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm just gonna beat the shit out of you and see what happens, and, like, I'm not even playing this, like, football game to play football, I'm playing it to see your broken bones, like, <laughs> yeah. so much of it was like, what if I just pick up the scooter and smash it over your fucking head, like, really? <laughs> it works. <laughs> It does. Like the heat the heat feels really rewarding too for this like mediocre XXXY, XXXY. Mm -hmm. Just like spamming, you know, boring ass combos to just like build up your heat. And then you build up your heat and it's like, fuck it, let's go, baby. What can I do with this shit? What's around me? Let me <laughs> pick up this guy and smash his face into another dude. Like it, it feels so keeps that fresh a lot. It does. And like there's a lot of things where it's like Oh, I'm just going to like, I'm going to hit Y here and I know what it's going to do because I'm right next to this wall. So I'm going to smash his head into the wall and throw him on the ground and stomp on him because that's what happens when I throw him against the wall. But it's like, oh shit, I didn't realize there was a bike rack right next to me when I hit Y and it's not actually prompting Y for the wall. I'm picking him up and smashing his back on the bike rack and then like kicking him in the nuts while he's hanging yeah. there limp. <laughs> so good. <laughs> There's so many little like environmental things and like all of your characters like, 
you get these little soul points to upgrade them and all the upgrades cultivate to like you can use a heat mode for no reason now like anytime you're in like a combat encounter and you just see something near you it's such a joy in these yakuza games because you'll just see like a toilet near you and you're just like oh boy (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna smack a guy right into this (laughs) and it's super delightful in this game i want to get into this a little bit because this game does something that the other yakuza's don't apparently i don't know this is my first yakuza game i've ever played so let me preface this with that uh but you play as four different characters in this one. So you're not just playing as, like, the one character. As you go through the story, you, like, you start as one, and then you go to the next, and then you go to the next, and you go to the next. Uh, until it cultivates the end, where you can switch between them all and play them all. But what it does that's really cool is all of them has a different fighting style. So, like, the first guy you start as is, like, really combo-focused. And you can, like, punch, 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 heavy, 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 punch, 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 heavy, heavy. Like, you can do a bunch of combos that you string together. Uh, The second guy that you unlock is just fucking big tank dude that just, like, you you can just combo into heavy attacks. So you just beat the ever-living, like, you do three attacks in a row, but they're all just brutally heavy attacks. Uh, And then, like, the next guy you unlock is, like... Uh, like parry focus so like you're not even doing combos you're just waiting for people to swing at you and then dodging them and hitting them in the back a bunch of times really quick uh, and like hit, you, you, with him you unlock like the ability to string together movements into heat attacks so like while the, all the others are like the the first character is just kind of like very standard gameplay it feels like while the second dude is like oh he can pick up scooters where you couldn't do that with the other dude. Like all of a sudden you have other objects you can interact with now based on the stature of this character too. Uh, so you're like, you're picking up scooters and smashing them on people. And then this dude, like the third guy is like, you're like punch, punch, punch. And then for no reason you get to do a heat attack where you crawl up on them and break their arm and shit. Um, and then you unlock the last one, which is, uh, uh, Kairu. Ka- 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 am I pronouncing that right? Fucking you got to help me out here, David. Cause I'm going to butcher all these names. I mean, it could be. I don't... I don't which one? <laughs> uh, very bottom. It's the main character of, like, the whole fucking series. Kairu? Oh, Kiru. 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 Okay. Kiri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. So, so you, you, the last one you're playing is him, and he's, like, the main character from the other games, and so when you unlock him, he starts with, like, all of his abilities immediately unlocked, which is, like, a cool nod to, like, you've played this dude before and unlocked everything. Uh, you just, like, start with everything immediately on that character basically full. There's a few new things they add that you can earn, but uh, you start with way more than you did on the other characters. And his his focus is, like, objects. So you're just, like, picking up everything and doing massive amounts of damage with uh, environmental stuff that you weren't on the other characters. So, like, mm. the gameplay as you switch between them feels a little more unique, and there's different sort of play styles, even though it's the same fundamental gameplay. You're, like, you're mixing it up in different ways that feels just enough different on all the characters that they feel unique in the way they fight as well. I love that. I actually didn't know that about the, the different characters and how they play. That's really interesting. It's super cool. I enjoyed it a lot. And, like, in that same regard, too, as you unlock things and side quests and stuff, they unlock different very in theme things throughout the world too that like the first guy you, you know you're the fucking billionaire playboy and you own the hostess club so you get to start out like dolling up your hostess gals to go out on their dates and shit uh and then the second guy you unlock he's the fucking big ass tank who's doing like cage fighting and shit so you unlock the ability to do like the coliseum and to train fighters and stuff and then the third dude is like he's a cop 
And so you unlock the ability to like do side quests of like walking through the city and helping people who like get you get police calls and stuff. Uh, and then the last dude is Kairu, and so you like get Kiryu. the ability to do- <laughs> Kiru. Damn it, I'm gonna butcher it so much. You can just say Kiryu. 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 Okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> the last one is Kiryu, and he's like he's the he's the fucking boss man, right? Like this dude is like the 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 yakuza boy. And so he owns this town practically. Like you walk in the city and everyone's like, hey, it's you. You didn't tell me you'd be in town. I would have sent you a gift. And like, and it's like, ah, cool. I get like the batting cages and the golf course and shit now. So there's this like element of like all these different characters interact with the city differently too. So you're like mm. unlocking different elements and mini games and stuff as you go that are very in theme for the characters. It's it's really cool and flavorful and makes playing and getting to the next character feel interesting because it's not just like ah here's more yakuza like i'm gonna play the same game just as a different skin it's like no like the world is different and you're interacting with it differently because you're a different person and like across the different yakuza games i think that it's really cool how they use the same space over and over and keep recontextualizing it in new ways yeah that's i did not know they did that that's really cool which i i guess i mean i picked up a little bit on that because the way the game interacts with you in this, it's like, oh yeah, you, this is clearly an area that this character has been in before, and they're acknowledging that it's different and stuff too. Because it's it's basically based on like a real place in Tokyo, uh, and like around the J- Japan area, uh, so like you can visit a lot of these places in real life. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, the story in this game is fucking absurd. Like, I didn't. I started playing this game and I was like, okay, this is really run of the mill. This is what I'd expect from a game called Yakuza, right? Like it's, it feels like it's very gang heavy and focused on like the stuff that like it's focused on the tropes and, and it feels like, like, it feels like I'm playing GTA, but in Japan kind of in that way. And so I was like, this is very similar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, it's very similar, but like, I, I got like, I almost dropped off. But once once it hits a certain point, the shit just becomes a telenovela with just, like, hot, sweaty Yakuza boys. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I have never been so engrossed in such a completely, like, uh, vapid storyline before. But I was so here for it by the end that, like, there's just so much pointless drama between characters. And, like, there's so much, like, fucking moments of just like plot twists and reveals and like it was you all along how could you it's just like it it's so <laughs> stupidly vapid but so good the one thing that i think will always tie together every yakuza game is that no matter what even if it's really straight story or if it's just them hanging out and doing karaoke it's always over the top it's always just a little <laughs> bit cranked to 11. And it is. Like, all right, I, I want to get a little bit into... Well, first I want to say, uh, uh, like, you do plays the four different characters. And I want to say, I don't know if two of them are newish. I think it feels like two of them are newish. But also the comments make it seem like I did not get that right. And they're, the, at least one of these characters is very well known. And everyone was very excited to play as him. Uh, <laughs> was he the hostess one? That might be the case. If yeah, Majima, yeah. Is uh, no, Akiyama. Akiyama. Oh. Hmm. 
Maybe. I'm not sure. I haven't fully played all the other games. Uh, it doesn't require a ton of knowledge of the previous entries. Here I am like, I don't fucking know this character. I don't know. Was this character? Uh, oh, I did know this guy, actually. Okay. So he is in the other ones. He is, but you don't play as him. Yeah, everyone was very excited in the comments that you play as him. Like, the, if you fucking look at the, the goddamn reviews on this game, it's all just like, Son Akiyama, you play as Akiyama. Akiyama, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's just happy that Yaku, he's in this game, hooray! Hooray, Which, Akiyama! Like, <laughs> granted, he's a cool character. Like, he's he's like he's total chill, like, community playboy boy, which is great. Um... But it, it doesn't require a ton of knowledge for the previous entries. They do a really good job laying out the circumstances that, like, this is the story for this game specifically. This is what they're dealing with. We're going to give you enough context to show you why this is kind of important with everything else that happened. But you can follow along with the story that's happening here. They, you do lose a little bit of, like, the relationships between the characters. There's a lot of moments of where it's, like, someone just pops in. It's like, you killed my brother. I can't believe you're still alive. It's like, I don't get that, but I get the anger. So uh, there's some context <laughs> yeah. that, like, leaves you a little bit lacking for, like, the character interactions with each other. But by and large, you can play this game without ever having played a game in the series, honestly. That's awesome. I was kind of curious about that. Like, I was kind of going to take this because I always usually take the Yakuza games. Uh, but you ended up taking it this time because we really wanted to hear how that was. And I'm glad to hear that this was such an easy entry to get into the series with. Yeah, I I did, like, the gameplay was the most off-putting thing. Like, other than that, I followed the story great, and I was into it. I was real into it, like, to the point where I beat it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the game, uh, the, to, to jump out of spoilers here now, the game <laughs> okay, goes okay. from really boring to super engaging in the story out of nowhere. It's just like, I am a day-to-day -day person doing my day-to-day -day life to, boom, I am in the fucking thick of it, and I need to solve some shit now. Like, everyone is connected. Everything is a shit show. There are plot twists everywhere. Some of them don't make sense. Some of them make perfect sense. Some of them you see a mile away. Some of them are like, what the fuck? You, it's the, what? <laughs> it's so good. And it's just like... It's, it's like the developers threw a bunch of string on the floor and then just like taped some stuff to the strings and then just started pulling from the pile and then they were like cool here's our first story beat here's our second story beat here's the third one and then at the end of the game we're gonna grab the ends of the string and just rip it all back together and it works somehow and it works it's so good that's awesome i'm just yeah. happy you had such a positive experience with it I, and i did not expect to either and like even Talking about it now and reflecting on it, like, it's, it's, because even when I finished this game, I was still like, I don't know, that was Yakuza, but, like, <laughs> it was but so like, much more. To describe it to somebody else, it's like, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute, what did I go through? Like, did I go through some kind of psychosis? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and I can only imagine this is the best way to describe it, is that, like, if you like Metal Gear, this is the fucking game for you, because it's like that, <laughs> but Yakuza. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how, how exactly that works, but I'll take it. <laughs> you know, maybe it's not quite as, like, flying, flaming unicorns out there, but, like... Okay. It's it's if you took Metal Gear and said, we're gonna do the same wild shit, but keep it grounded. Keep that level of realism. Keep yeah. it in the streets. <laughs> like, only things that can actually happen we're gonna put in this game. But we're gonna make it insane. <laughs> It'll be if you can make it, you can stage this in reality. 
but you're gonna need a billion yen, and you're yeah. gonna need to get a bunch of guys shirtless on a rooftop. Uh, Sorry. And this this game will make you gay. <laughs> if you're not, you, you will be fucking rock hard by the end of it. Excellent. Well, I guess that means that uh, if if you're that rock hard, it must be a saver. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I have, like, a half a page of nitpicks here, but I'm just going to skip them. The combat's kind of boring. There's some, like, really weird jumps from, like, it goes from a cutscene to just, like, text dialogue back to a cutscene to a weird half-hybrid cutscene dialogue text thing. It just, like, there's no (laughs) consistency. It's just, why did you not just make these cutscenes, or why did you not just make them all text dialogues? Like... (laughs) Yeah, that is a thing. I feel like they they do that just to save money throughout the franchise. Which is so... It's like, clearly you wanted some, like, cool, melodramatic cutscenes and, like, big moments of action and punching, but also you were just like, yeah, let's not finish animating that sequence. Let's just kind of fade to black, go to talking, and then fade back in when we need them. Look, we don't have the budget for every scene to be cool. Not every scene needs to be super high production value. Which, which the part, the part that was wild is that this wasn't just like this scene is cutscenes, and then the next scene is dialogue trees. That would have been totally fine, and I would have understand it, stood it. But it was like we watched half of this scene as a cutscene, and then it arbitrarily cut off, and now I'm walking through dialogue trees, <laughs> and then we're back into a cutscene to finish it off. Who's ran out of budget? And it's all the same scene. <laughs> it was completely arbitrary. I had no idea what was actually like. I was trying to find some pattern of like, oh, this is why they did a cutscene here. And I I could I could not. I was like, this is like this an emotional moment and they want a cutscene here. Don't know why they cut it off in the middle to just go to chatting though. Uh, and there's like a lot of really arbitrary repetition in the game. It feels like a game that was made in 2010 because it was a game made in 2010. Uh, but, like, yeah. to the point where you can train fighters and all of the different abilities, like, do different... It's, like, some bump one stat and lower others, and some, like, some are, like, a fair spread, and some train you moves and stuff. But you can just spam it. So you can sit there mm-hmm. for two hours and just train your guy up on a single move and then go to the next move and then go to the next move. So you, like, you progress through everything and full stat them without, like... It's just one of those things that, like, quality of life would say, like, okay, clearly this is what the player is going to do, so we can just skip this, because it's completely unnecessary. But uh, just to just to move things along, just as a reminder, we are about two hours. <laughs> it was a saver. This game was a saver, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm not super crazy about the gameplay, uh, and I got through the story and put, like, 20 hours in the game and only had 17% completion by the end of it. So there's a lot. So there's a shit ton of content. Yeah, a lot, lot of do. content here. Uh, there's probably only, like, six to eight-ish hours of actual story, I'd say, if you just, like, grind through it and focus only on doing the story, you could probably get through the whole game in eight hours and do it. 100% do that. <laughs> And then decide if you want to go do all the meaningless bullshit on the side. Because the the story is what this game's about, baby. It's so stupid and fun. And just, like, if you like telenovelas, if you like just, like, needless, melodramatic, completely vapid, just wild entertainment, this is a good game for that. Good popcorn value here, folks. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's it. I'm kind of scared, actually, because that's not it. Oh. Uh, there There is a segment here. So... Now that I couldn't uh, shut the fuck up about this game for 40 minutes and we've gone way (laughs) over our recording time, I have a new segment to introduce. Oh, great! That's the perfect time! (laughs) 
Let's go! Uh, so I have, I have a little game I want to play with you here, David. <laughs> okay. Sure. I've, I've taken some reviews from some of my games, and I want you to try to guess which review is from which game. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so here we go. We have... Uh, the first one I have for you is is a review by the Touche on uh and it is like sex but i have it yakuza sorry that one's shotgun king <laughs> oh that does make sense <sighs> uh then we have uh the delightful this game is like persona but i can play it without feeling dead inside grinding mementos or dying on the top of the floor of yukiko's castle it's also in July's Humble Choice Bundle, which is really ethically nice. 10 out of 10 so far. I just got to go do stuff real quick and then come back. Maybe not play the game ever again, but maybe I will since COD is getting an update tomorrow and games last forever. It doesn't matter. Good game. I, uh... <laughs> I, what? I, 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 Kraken Academy? That maybe was Kraken Academy! <laughs> That was! Yay! <laughs> uh, then we have Says a Lot About Our Society by Creamy Oi Boy. That one's got to be Ozymandias. Uh, actually, that one is Shotgun King again. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, you got me with that one. You got me. <laughs> Shotgun King coming in from behind with uh, the chair. <laughs> then we have it's so fucking stupid on how most of the deaths could have been avoided by common fucking sense. Otherwise, a great game. That one's by Alchemist in the Hood. Yakuza? That is Yakuza. <laughs> I, I thought that was going to get you. I thought you were going to think it was Shotgun Academy. Or sh Shotgun nah, King. <laughs> nah, I think people do tend to die in that a lot. Just because they <laughs> Which is really wild, because the gameplay things. is so fucking easy. <laughs> <laughs> It does get a little, like, later on it gets kind of cheesy and some people will just spam combos on you and it's like, come the fuck on, bro, but... No, it is really funny how, like, in the the in the gameplay, you'll just, like, completely and utterly obliterate somebody, like, smash their skull in, like, curb stomp them, like, there's no way that they're going to be waking up tomorrow not in a hospital. Uh, and then, <laughs> like, the next scene, like, a guy gets shot once and he's like... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> and then it's like you beat the ever living shit out of someone and then the next guy's just like why kick 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 and you just like can't do anything because they're just chain kicking you in a corner <laughs> everybody loves a good chain kick <laughs> come on give me give, give okay. me the last one uh uh okay i'll give you one more uh almost as good as that breaking bad episode by serby <laughs> Ozymandias. God, that one's actually Ozymandias. That one was Because <laughs> the second to last episode is called Ozymandias. It's the most famous episode. It's named after a famous poem by Percy Shelley. How did you know that? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked the poem. I like Ozymandias. It's a good poem. <laughs> a wealth of knowledge I didn't even know you have both about Ozym Ozymandias and Breaking Bad. God damn. I like I like media. <laughs> I'm a wealth of knowledge. I, I didn't even know the episode was named that. I didn't get that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent work. Well, 
in terms of the game of the week, I had not really considered this for some reason. I had not chosen mine. God, you just had like an hour and a half of me talking to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I did. But I'll tell you what, uh, the first one that comes to mind really, Temtem was fun. Road Warden was a little bit too wordy. Outer Wilds, or the Outer Worlds, I should say. The Outer Wilds is a different game. The Outer Worlds, pretty fucking good. I think that that's the obvious choice, which is why I'm choosing Merchant of the Skies. Yeah, damn. Merchant of the Skies <laughs> fucking rules. That game... So much fun. <laughs> I I think that it is a crime that not enough people are playing it. And uh, I think that, you know, I like games that are not just games where you run around and shoot people. It's not just combat. It's kind of, I feel like, easier to do that. To design a game that is exclusively yeah. about being just a traitor in the skies is so fun. And I got so into this. And I'm still planning to finish it. So out of all of them, the the one that leaves me with the best vibes and the one that I want to finish the most is Merchant of the Skies. Hell yeah. And I finished all my games, basically, so I don't have anything to finish. But I think I think the, the, the episode is going to speak for itself. And if I say anything other than Yakuza 4 <laughs> at this point, it's going to seem criminal that I made you sit through, like, an hour of talking about Yakuza to be like, it was all right. Shotgun King's the winner. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I did check the, the clock a couple of times during that, and I was like, wow, he's still going. I did, too. Oh, wait, but and like then I so checked your outline. <laughs> I checked your outline and I was like, wait, that's only the second protagonist. Oh, God. <laughs> so much in that game. It is literally just like a fucking pinata of bullshit. I could, like, talk about that game for a day and not get anywhere talking about it. Maybe we should just do, like, a giant Yakuza podcast at some point. <laughs> the Bundle Bourgeoisie is now a Yakuza fan cast. It's just a Yakuza fan cast, everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> And, and and our thing will be that <laughs> you just continually pronounce the names horribly wrong. I'm sorry. On purpose that, but it'll be on purpose in the future. <laughs> we'll turn it into a bit. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, because then it's just like shitty. This is my own dumbass. Like I, I, and I'll, I'll dub over it too in a really fun. I'll please. I am not an <laughs> asshole. I am just really. I can't even speak English well. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what else are you playing? <laughs> oh wait, hold on. Uh, we do have a charity this month called uh, the Covenant House, and it's a uh, it's a charity that meets the immediate needs of food, clothing, safety, medical, and mental health care for uh, for for youths that are experiencing homelessness, human trafficking, survivors, uh, people who like young people who have no place or nothing like or need aid. So like they are a a sustainable in play. I've said all I need to say. Yeah, uh, other games I played were like you know more fucking Zelda, more fucking Paper Mario for my stream. Uh, I tried out this game called My Summer Car, which I can only describe as a cruel yet chill survival roguelike, where you live your life in the summer in rural Finland in the eighties. Slowly, oh look, that one's on my wish list already. <laughs> It's really good, but also shockingly punishing. <laughs> I drank a single bottle of clear liquid that turned out to be incredibly uh, alcoholic alcohol and got such intense dehydration that I died three or four times going to the store to get some cigarettes. Damn. Uh, <laughs> but it is also like a game where you can fully build a car from scratch practically and learn about how cars work. And... I think it's really interesting. Nice. Uh, 
Another game that I tried out is One Piece Burning Blood. I have a soft spot in my heart for anime fighting games, uh, particularly because I like fighting games, but I'm not very good at them. And uh, I really, really like it when uh, properties like, you know, Naruto or One Piece make a fighting game because these are properties where the power systems are very built into the characters and into the story itself. Uh, and so you have characters that are not as powerful as other characters. And that is true in this game, where some characters are just better than other characters. And they're just <laughs> in, in like intense powerhouses. And you can just fight against them with characters that are less powerful and try to win. <laughs> and uh, it has like this massive story uh, that basically recounts uh, one of the major arcs in One Piece. It's a really famous arc called the Marine Ford arc, where... Uh, a bunch of characters from the past uh, are essentially showing up uh, in this big mega event where it's like, you know, Luffy's trying to, like, save his brother, and he just escaped from prison. So all of these people from prison are, like, past enemies that are now turned allies. It's this massive big event, and it's the perfect place to set a fighting game because it's just surrounded by a whole bunch of interesting characters. Hell and, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I just have been enjoying that on my free time. Uh, just kind of doing the the main story mode and slowly unlocking more characters and that because I I do enjoy my One Piece. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure. But <laughs> I am like three hundred or four hundred episodes behind, so I am gonna have to catch up. <laughs> you got a couple years. <laughs> got a couple years ahead of me. To <laughs> I have not yeah. been playing jack shit. I am off my meds, and it shows. <laughs> Well, at least we got the main games out this week. Yeah, I yeah, honestly. <laughs> yep. Fuck yeah. That's we did it. That's it. We did it. It's only uh 2 hours 20 minutes into the recording session. <laughs> and there's a lot that can probably be cut, honestly. I oh, I, I will be cutting a good amount. Talked in circles about Yakuza. There's <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I talked a little bit in circles about some of those things. It'll be a little bit more succinct next time. <laughs> I will never. I don't give a fuck. Never. I'm going to say what never, I have never to say. Promise. <laughs> never promise. anything. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Well, uh, this I, is our I, podcast. If we just want to talk and shoot the shit for two hours about Yakuza, we could do that. We're just you're buddies just chatting. Yeah. <laughs> just I know, you just man. want to stream. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I stream. I just wanted to say, I stream on, on the weekends, on Mondays and Sundays. That's my weekend. Yeah. Uh, and I try to stream otherwise. I'm going to be streaming a little bit extra this week because I have some time off. And I mostly just say I'm going to stream and then don't ever. That's a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Any other socials we want to plug? Uh, threads came out. Maybe we will start a Threads account. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even use Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, it's not even Twitter anymore, is it? No, I didn't even use Chi. I don't know why he's not going with Chi is the pronunciation. <laughs> chi? Is yeah. that a pronunciation of the letter X? It's like it's like the symbol X that like 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 there's there was Kingdom Hearts Chi that came out a while back that was like the, the X symbol, you know. I'll, I'll show well, you. Make sure to get your re X's and your 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 uh, your X's and and stuff in a row or whatnot. Yeah, get your get your get your ducks and X's in a row. Oh, you've been on video the whole time. <laughs> I have been. I thought I'd mention, but I didn't. Hi. <laughs> hey, with that. Well, oh, I'm an idiot.
guys. See you next time. <laughs> bye bye. There's buddy. my Mac if you want to see it. <laughs> Thanks for showing me your screen, buddy. That really means a lot. I really feel like I'm a part of your life. webcam in really quick so i could i could address you like a human and acknowledge that your presence has been here the whole time and i'm sorry i'm an asshole